Thanks for listening to the Life Church Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Mark Borg. For any other messages or other resources, please visit us at lcboise.com. Bible app, fire it up. If you have the Bible memorized, access those those files. And uh, if you would, find with me today the book of John, the book of John, chapter 1. That would be Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, that John, not that other guy, same guy, but He has a book of three parts, too. The book of John, chapter 1. Last week, I began sharing with you a new message called Finding Frank. Everybody ready for Find Frank some more today? Uh, Tell me who Frank is. Say it out loud with me. He is friends, relatives, associates, neighbors, and kids. And Frank is out there, and Frank needs found. I have a, a, a desire in my heart uh, to see lost people come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus. And many of you have that same heart. And uh, praise God, let's, let's fan that flame a little bit some more today. I'm thankful that I'm not starting off you know, like at zero or underwater here. Um, we're, we're, we're sharing some things that I believe are right. They're right for always, but they're right for now as well uh, in this time in our church, in this season. And, and I like the fact that I have a large number of people that have already identified and acknowledged that God is moving in you to this same degree, to this end. And when I share with you, uh, you know, by the Spirit, this this passion, this desire to see lost people come to know the Lord, Uh, again, I know uh, there's a lot of support because I'm I'm speaking something that's triggering or agreeing with something already happening in you. And uh, let's keep this flame burning, huh? Let's stoke it. Let's let's turn it up a notch or ten. And, uh, and let God use us like never before because He is, present tense, using us to populate heaven. Yeah. Isn't that cool? Here we are. And we're doing, we're involved. God is using us and heaven is getting fuller. Oh yeah. Hell is de- being diminished and heaven is being populated. Amen. Because we are uh, just really just responding to the love of God inside of us. Uh, when, when I was in, in Bible college years ago, uh, in, over in Oklahoma, something that stood out to me during the time and, and all these years later in, in remembering was how different ones would come and, and speak. And there was something about how they, they shared. Some would use this language of, of everybody having a go-ye spirit about them. Meaning, you, you recall, if, if, if this King James language, but when Jesus said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. And they were, in part, endeavoring to avoid or try to counter 
the, what would happen with some is they would say, yes, God's called me to do great things. And they'd come to school and they'd prepare and, and they'd study and they'd learn the scriptures and they'd have experiences with God. And then they would sit ye. You know what I'm talking about? They didn't go ye, they sat ye. In other words, the, the fullness of God's plan and gifting and calling and, and their usefulness in eternity was very much diminished because they wouldn't go. They wouldn't go do. And I always recall that. I thought, I don't want to be a sit ye. Again, they didn't use that language. That's mine. I, I improved it. <laughs> uh, I didn't want to sit ye. I wanted to be a goer and a doer, uh, someone who was so active, someone who was used of God. And, and, and thank God, to some degree, at least we have been. Uh, I think the Lord also wants that to be in our house, this house. What do you mean? A go ye spirit, meaning I've got something. I'm going to use it. I'm going to do something with it. I'm going to act on it. I'm going to. I'm going to be. I'm going to be used of God. I'm going to be a doer of the word. Amen. Not just a, I go to church and sit ye in all the world. When we go, how many know it's good for us? And it most certainly is good for the person on the other end of that. Yeah, but it's good for us. You'll, you'll find your spiritual growth will take off. It'll, it'll happen. You'll know God in different ways than you know Him if you just sit and, and, and receive. Amen. Did you find the book of John? I want to read these verses to you again, some of what I read to you last week. John chapter 1 and verse 40. Uh, it reads, one of, the, one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon. Say it out loud with me. Say, Andrew, Andrew. found Simon. Yeah, why would, and Simon is Peter, you know. Uh, why was Peter found? Or why did Peter get saved? Why did Peter know the Lord? Because his brother found him. Yeah, some of you came into the kingdom because from a family member. Could have been a brother, could have been a, a parent, could have been a grandparent. Could have, someone in your family said, hey, I, I, I found something I need to tell you about. Uh, I know something you need to know. Well, that's how Peter got into the kingdom, and Peter was a mover and a shaker, water walker. <laughs> Peter was a, a pillar in the, in the kingdom of God. Um, uh, so it goes on to say in the middle of verse 41, and, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ, and brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are Simon, son of Jonah, you shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. So Philip was found, verse 44, um, verse 44, now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Verse 45, Philip found Nathanael. Everybody say it out loud. Philip found Nate. Yeah. How did Nathaniel get into the kingdom? Philip found him. What if Philip didn't find him? We don't know. Maybe he never would have come into the kingdom. Maybe no one else would have found him either. But thank God Philip did find him and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And so this was a pattern. 
in their day, that one person would be found and they would go a finding. They would get, they would get good news and they were compelled to share that good news. They would find the answer and go share that answer. And basically, this is how it worked and has worked for many, many years. Because not only were these people that we read about here, not only were they found, but you know what they did? They found others. Who found others? 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 And they found others. You know what they did? They found some more. They found some others. And they found others, 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 and they found you. No, wait, 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 wait. That's good news, no doubt. Wouldn't it be a tragedy if there was a period there? Let's not let this thing stop here. Huh? Let's not let this be the last generation of Christians. Let's not let this great momentum that has taken place and gotten us to a place where we were born and now we know the Lord. And then it stops there. Let's keep this thing going, you guys. We've been found. Some of you may have come today. You're not found yet, but we're finding you. Trying, huh? And then once you find him, you're going to want to tell someone else. You're going to want to find somebody else. This is God's plan that it doesn't end with us. That it doesn't stop here, but that we continue in God's plan and keep finding. Amen. Now, now go with me uh, to the Old Testament. Uh, left turn, Second Kings, the book of Second Kings, chapter seven. There were these guys over here in Second Kings, chapter seven, uh, that were in a in a really rough situation. And Israel, as a nation, they were at war. They were basically under siege by their city. Jerusalem was under siege by the Syrians. And you know what that means? Basically, they stop any flow of of goods from coming or going. They stop all commerce. They stop food from coming in. You do that long enough, that's one way that that you would defeat a nation. And uh, because in the city then, uh, people were starving. People were hungry. They, there's, there's no food. There's no resources. And, and then there, there were these guys. And I'll, we'll read here starting in verse 3. Now there were four leprous men. That's a problem in and of itself. Uh, at the entrance of the gate. And they said to one another, Why are we sitting here until we die? Some should ask that question of themselves. When they don't see any other answer. And they don't see any other way out. Uh, do something, man. You see, any opportunity, any small percentage, whatever, of getting help or of getting victory, of changing things, take it. Don't just sit there and be defeated. Amen. Uh, Verse 4, he said, if we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. If we sit here, we die also. So not not a lot of good choices. We're going to starve in the city. We're going to starve out here. Uh, He said, now therefore, come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, which is not likely, but if they keep us alive, we'll live. And if they kill us, we shall only die. (laughs) How many know death is in perspective? 
It's like, basically, we're toast. Let's give ourselves at least a slim chance. <laughs> what if? What, what if something just may happen? And uh, I don't know. I think there's a, there's a point where some need to be, where, where they, they stop giving so much respect to death, stop being so afraid of dying, and, and, and give an opportunity for God to step in. Verse 5, And they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of a great army. So they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore they arose and fled at twilight and left the camp intact, their tents, their horses, and their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. Isn't that kind of funny? Who are they running from? <laughs> no one. <laughs> They're fleeing for their lives and no one's even after them. You know, that's a symptom of wickedness. That's a symptom of sin consciousness. The scripture says the wicked flee when no one pursues. But the righteous are as bold as a lion. How many know? If you're in Christ, you need to be Christ conscious and righteous conscious and know that you're washed and clean and forgiven and stand holy before him. Only then will you stand tall. Will you stand bold? Will you look defeat in its face and say, you're not going to win? When you look death in its face and say, I'm going to live. When you're conscious of God's righteousness in you, it'll change your demeanor. But when you, have, when you feel like a rascal, you feel like, man, I'm a dirty dog. I'm a good for nothing. I'm so worthless. I've blown it so many times. I'm such a heathen. Whatever you want to call it, waste of flesh. Uh, you have this opinion of yourself, man, you're ducking when no one's, nothing's happening. You're running when no one's after you. Verse 8. And when these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp... They went into one tent and ate and drank and carried from it silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. Then they came back and entered another tent and carried from, from there also, uh, carried some from there also and went and hid it. These guys are cleaning up, aren't they? I mean, they're having a time of their life. It's like, dude, yesterday we were starving. We were sitting there waiting to die. And now look look at us, living large. <laughs> and they are eating and the champagne's popped. And, and <laughs> it looks like a clubhouse after the World Series win. <laughs> right? And they're, they're, they're walking around and, and uh, trying on clothes and gold. And say, let's take this. Let's go hide it. They're storing up. They are having a good time. Anything wrong with what they're doing at this point? Not yet. No. Uh, should believers, by the way, also be very celebratory in life? Oh, yeah. Should we be going from tent to tent, enjoying God's blessings and saying, Hallelujah, thank you, Lord. I mean, he scared the devil away. <laughs> he's, the one who, he's the one who made the noise to get the enemy's camp cleaned out so we could go in and clean up. Right? And, and, and should we be mindful of God's blessings and like, yeah, hey, party, hallelujah, we are free, we live in the victory. Absolutely. This should be characteristic of our times together at church. When we gather in His name, uh, the biggest part of this should be happy time, celebration time. 
little bouncing, little laughing, little smiling, little woo, lots, lots of high fives on the side, down low, too slow. You know, uh, we, it should be a lot about celebration because this is what the Lord has done for us. He has freely given us all things. Jesus said, it's my Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He's not holding anything back. He's saying, you can have it all. Yeah. But then look what happened. Then, verse 9, then they said to one another, we are not doing right. Now, we are not doing right what? Not that they weren't supposed to go into the camp. That was God's plan. Not that they weren't supposed to be blessed and eat and fill their stomachs full and enjoy all. No. He said, but he went on to say, they said, this day is a day of good news and we remain silent. He said, if we wait until morning uh, light, some punishment will come upon us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. It wasn't wrong that they were partaking of this stuff. What was wrong, and they recognized correctly, we cannot keep it to ourselves. We cannot be silent. We cannot just hoard this and enjoy it while everyone else is without, while others are starving, while others suffer. We sit here... And just, we're living life, living, uh, living the high life, enjoying God's best. Here's what they said. He, they said, this is a day of good news, and we remain silent. Well, what's not right about our lives? That we are, our prayers are answered? That He heals our bodies, forgives our sins? Gives us his, shows us his grace and kindness, helps us in, all, in every area of life, and gives us his... No, no, there's nothing wrong with that. But what is wrong is remaining silent in a day of good news. Refer, re, receiving for yourself and not sharing with others. Have you ever hit that point? I realize some have never been from tent to tent. I realize there are some believers that don't know the fullness of what God has provided for them, and so they're still struggling themselves. Listen, I I get that, and you need to know there's a bunch of tents available. Go in and enjoy. Go in and enjoy. But have you ever gotten to a point where you said, man, my life is good. God has blessed me. I've received His. I have a great relationship with Him. It is not right that I'm keeping in this to myself. And if you've ever heard that voice inside of you, that was the Spirit of God. That was, that was correct. That was the wisdom of heaven that says, stop holding on. The world says, keep quiet. Keep it to yourself. The love of Christ compels us to speak up, to speak out, and to make his name known. This is how the Spirit of God would lead us to act. Amen. Now, I, I was reading uh, recently in some, uh, on some, some internet surveys and things about uh, about how some of the people in our society are thinking based on these surveys about how they're thinking about God and the church and and so forth and uh, I, I do throw this caveat in a lot of studies done out there are unnecessary because you could read a verse that would tell you the answer and when the government spends a gazillion dollars 
And they said, well, we've been studying this for 30 years, and we found out that water is wet, you know. <laughs> oh, glad, glad you spent my money on that. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, some of it is so amazingly silly. Um, drain the swamp. Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, did I say that out loud? <laughs> anyway, uh, I, because we can, the wisdom of God, I mean, many times people study for years and they find out, oh, they come up with this great revelation. We think, but that was written right there. I've got a suggestion for all of us. Um, just take God at his word. Save the money and the time and the survey and the decades of study. And yeah, okay. Anyway, having said that, some of these things I believe can be helpful because it gives you a snapshot of what people are thinking at, a per, at any given time regarding things. And in some of these uh, recent studies, well, this one was set several, several years back, um, but they found out people responded, and these were individuals that do not go to church, okay? I don't know if they determined whether they were saved or not, but they're, nevertheless, they're not in church. And it's, they found out that most people that are not going to church feel guilty about it. That's interesting to me. Interesting. We think, well, people don't even care. No. Many of them do. And they feel bad about the fact that they don't go. Uh, they, they found out in this survey that very high percentage. In fact, they said 96% of those who don't go to church are at least somewhat likely to attend church if they were invited. That's a huge percentage of those who would they, would, they would likely, likely attend if someone just invited them. Wow. See, there, I think there's a mindset that we sometimes have, this belief that people don't want what we have. They're not interested in what we have to say. They don't want to have anything to do with God. And Listen, I'm sure there are a few people out there like that, but there's a whole bunch more that are not like that. They're, they're, they're ripe for picking. <laughs> they are ready for harvest. Yeah. And uh, another one uh, in this particular one, some of these people, uh, it said actually they found out that very few of these individuals had someone share with them how to become a Christian. So most of them don't know. They don't know what it even means. I, I contend, and I'll, I may share this with you next week, that a lot of people reject something that's fake. It's a misrepresentation. It's not the real thing. So what they're rejecting is, is not the Lord, but it's a version of Him. You know, fake news. <laughs> not good news, fake news. It's not the gospel, but it, they end up outside of the kingdom. But it, they, they, what, they're, what they think about it is not true, and, and so no one has ever really shared it with them clearly and accurately. They found out that, that most of these people who are not in church have a positive view of pastors and of ministers and the church. That's very interesting. If you would think just by reading what gets the promoted the most, what's the loudest voice, you would think that most of the crowd outside of uh, the kingdom of God, they all think pastors are crooks, and they all think that they're, you know, whatever, they're in it. The church just wants your money and, and all this kind of negative stuff. That's not true. There's a few people out there like that for sure. But most are not. They have a respect. Huh. 
maybe this could shape some of our, our, our thinking when we are endeavoring to be used of God. There's another survey that's much, uh, it's very recent. And, and they found out that most people who are not in church have some church background. Attended as a child regularly, that kind of thing. Um, most of them have a connection in that way. They found out that most of them, for, they quit going to church because they got out of the habit of going. Okay? In other words, for the majority of them, it wasn't some big negative thing. There's a few that they had a negative experience or something like that. But most of them, they just got out of the habit. They stopped going. Uh, so it's not, you know, it's not real negative in that regard. Uh, they found out that a th- one-third of those they spoke to already have plans to come back. They're, they, I mean, they're not concrete. They, they, they are planning at some point in their future, I'm going to go back. I'm gonna, some of you were that way right? You, you were out, you were away and you thought, I'm going to go back one of these days and you made it. Yay. Welcome back. (laughs) But there's a whole bunch of people, thousands and thousands of people, thousands of people who live around us. There, there is a whole big chunk of them. They, they, they are planning to get back into church. So what's going to make the difference? I think for a good portion of them, it's someone like you and me Saying, hey, why don't you come? Say, hey, we're doing this deal. Hey, why don't you come? It's really cool. Good things, whatever, however you you want to phrase it. Just inviting them to come. Or saying, hey, I'm picking you up next Sunday. We're going to Cracker Barrel. And then we're going to church. (laughs) That helps too. Uh, Or whatever. but, But someone to intervene because they're already right on the edge there. You see how this could massively impact the kingdom of God just in our local area. Uh, they found out that, uh, that many of these individuals are uh, they're very open. In fact, half of them said they would, they would very much welcome a conversation about the gospel. They, want, they would want to have a conversation. Another 30-some percent say they'd be interested in listening. And so the, uh, just a huge number, there's only a small percent, 11%, that said they would try to change the subject. All right, they don't really want to have that conversation. But the vast majority of these people, I'm not talking about the population as a whole, I'm talking about those who aren't in church. They want to talk about it. They want to listen to you talk to them about it. That's interesting. And, uh, and what they, all, they also found, again, different than the other study, but there was a good high percentage, um, you know, the majority of those, if they were invited by a family member or they were invited by a friend, they would go. They would go to church. I think, man, this is an opportunity for us. This is a, it's like things are set up in our time in this day for us to make an impact. We just have to think right about it. Believe right. Remember the, the four lepers? They said, you guys, what we're doing, this is not good. We cannot just keep this to ourselves. This is a day of good news. You know, that's also true about the gospel. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2. I want you to notice. I'll put a look at the screen. He, for he says, in an acceptable time, I have heard you. What happens in an acceptable time? People are heard. God hears. When does he hear? In an acceptable time. There's a time called acceptable. Hey. Sorry. 
good preaching. Amen. <laughs> Say that. <laughs> I think that's the cue to switch. There you go. <laughs> in an acceptable time, I have heard you. And look, in the day of salvation, I have helped you. When are people helped? In the day of salvation. I want you to see there, there's a connection here. There's a response, there's, there's, there's a hearing, and then there is help on a certain, at a certain time on a certain day. This day is not a 24-hour period. This is the day that we live in, the time we exist in today. Scripturally, it's called the, the age of grace or the church age. He goes on to say, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And so what God did is he went to great lengths. This was not flip a switch and, hey, it's the accepted time now. Hey, 12 o'clock, it's the accepted time. It's the No, no, God went to great lengths through prophecy, through setting things up to sneak Jesus in the human race and to get him here in a position, at a place, at the perfect time, the fullness of time, when he could be our substitute and our sacrifice and bear the sin of the world and bear the curse of all mankind, of all sin, then be raised from the dead so that this day could happen. Only then and only at great lengths could this day be made available, but it happened. And now we live in a time that is called acceptable. That means that God can show favor to mankind as a whole. He can be merciful and kind even though we don't deserve it. He can be kind to the unkind and show love to the unlovable. Why? It's an accepted time. It's the day of salvation. Because of Jesus' finished work, this day is totally set up for us to proclaim good news. Good news. And I tell you, in any time in history, for uh, no time would it be worse for people who know God to be quiet than it is right now. Because the news is so good, it's almost incomprehensible how amazing God's love and grace is and how it is available to everyone. And for any believer to, to, to not see that, yeah, yikes, we, we got to get it. And then for any believer to not share is just wrong. We're just sitting in the tents in our gold and eating and drinking. And, and it's not right that we do that. Why? Because someone was found. And they found someone else, 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 and they found me. And they found you. And it's time to find someone else. And keep this ball rolling. Don't put off these things until you're ready. That may never come. We live in an acceptable time. God's ready. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 10, was sending out his 12, the 12 disciples, and he told them, he was giving them instructions when they were going from city to city, telling them where to go, what to do, all these things. He said in verse 7 of Matthew 10, and as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Notice that language, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Sometimes people fall into the trap of always focusing on what has been 
Oh, God moved great, great and mighty ways many years ago. God used to do this. Oh, there were these great moves of God and these different things that happened. And people are pointing to the past. Wouldn't it have been great? Wouldn't it have been wonderful to be a part of that great and outstanding move of God? And then there are others that are always pointing to the future. Someday. Someday God's going to do it. Someday revival's going to break out. Someday God's going to do great and mighty things. And it's going to be so powerful and so wonderful. What a glorious day that's going to be. There are many believers that actually they put off all the blessings of God to heaven. They're taught that in church. That hey, I know you're suffering now and you struggle now and it's, a, it's miserable now. But someday you'll be in heaven. That's sad. Heaven will be what it is. Glorious. But to put everything off into the future, not good. Not good. He, God's a God of today, of here and now. Amen. But notice what Jesus said. Preach, telling them the kingdom of heaven is at hand. All right. Is that the same message we have? Oh, yes. Not, not coming. Not, no, right here, right now. He loves you today. You're accepted today. You can be healed today. You can be forgiven today. You can be set free. God's answer is here for us now. Hallelujah. He went on to say, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Do you see that same principle, that same continuation that we read about with the lepers, that we read about when, when one person fi- is found that they find someone else? That same principle here. You get it, you give it. You receive it freely. You give it freely. This is the way that, that, that God works. He, he not only works toward us, but then He works through us. And we've got to keep this process going. How many know anytime, that you, anytime we let this stop... It's that inward, that, that flow that comes in like the river that flows in, but there's no outlet. And you turn into a stinky swamp. We are not going to let Life Church be a stinky swamp. Why? How, how do we keep that from happening? Well, we're not going to shut off God's blessings, but we've got to keep flowing. We've got to keep it going through us. Keep God's life coming through us. The more we do, we'll stay fresh and alive. There'll be a constant flow of God working in us and through us. And Christianity has never been just about what we can personally get out of it. It has always been about a changed life that then is shared with others. Jesus told us in John chapter 4 and verse 35, you do, not, uh, do you not say there are still four months and then comes harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. Is that word true for us today? I tell you, Jesus was at the beginning of this time. He was declaring, people are ready. This is the right time. This is the, the hour. This is the day that the Lord is bringing people into His family by the droves. We live in these days. I believe we live in the last of these days. We live in the end time. It's more important than ever. But now is the time. Are people ready to receive this? What's the answer to that? The fields are white. If you have a thought, people don't want it. People aren't interested. People are too busy with their lives. Switch that. Say, no, the fields are white. 
Stop looking at the, the few with a loud voice. There are multitudes and multitudes. There are people in your family that you think are uninterested, but they're praying in the nighttime. There are people that you think are, they're against God, but they are crying out to Him at different points in their life. And I tell you, they're, they're considered white for harvest. In other words, the wheat is ready to go. It's ready to be harvested. Uh, they're ready. They're ready for who? For you and for me to extend an invitation. They're ready for you and I to just be the, that voice that shares with them, hey guys, good news. Come check this out. Come see how good God is, how he wants to work in your life. We hope you enjoyed this message. Find our other messages on iTunes or visit our website at lcboise.com and follow us on social media, Life Church Boise. Thank you and have a blessed day.